0: Hello and welcome to the Hindus In Focus podcast. I'm Anand Krishnan with The Hindu in Chennai, your host for today. Tensions along the line of actual control between India and China have been high for close to a month. Standoff incidents and heavy deployments have been reported at multiple points along the LAC and unusually in two different sectors, both in Ladakh in the west and Sikkim in the east. At the Pengong Lake in Ladakh, Chinese troops are now present in what India sees as its territory, erecting tents and other structures. On Friday, May 5th, the two foreign ministries held talks by video conference, and on Saturday, May 6th, India and China held talks at the military level. Reports suggest there is no agreement yet on returning to the status quo before China's incursions began. How unusual are the current tensions on the border and is there a broader Chinese game in Ladakh? Do internal political developments in China and the ongoing China-US tensions impact China's posture as well as relations with India? We are very lucky to have with us today Mr. Jayadeva Ranade to help make sense of these questions. Mr. Ranade is a former additional secretary in the cabinet secretariat government of India and one of India's most well-known security and intelligence experts is presently president of the Center for China Analysis and Strategy. Mr. Ranade is one of India's most sharp China analysts and has been following China for more than three decades, including through foreign assignments in Hong Kong and Beijing. Thank you so much, Mr. Ranade, for joining us today.
1: It's a pleasure, Arun, and uh, I look forward to our discussions. But let me preface it first by saying I think we both know having lived in China, how opaque the system is. (laughs) That
0: goes without saying. (laughs) To begin with, uh, Mr. Ranade, how unusual is the current situation along the LAC and the kind of standoffs we've been seeing over the past month?
1: I think they're certainly different. Firstly, they've occurred at multiple points along the uh, LAC. Uh, They have stretched... In fact, from Ladakh up to Nakula in North Sikkim, mm. I also associate the activation of a new, uh, though diplomatic, front by Nepal against us mm. uh, as part of this. But it is a new, uh, it is a new kind of uh, activity that the Chinese have uh, created on our northern borders. If I can just add one more, Uh, since Xi Jinping has taken over, I would suggest that the nature and kind of intrusions that we have been seeing have altered in nature. Uh, They have become uh, more, if I may say, uh, firm and they appear to have been premeditated and uh, planned.
0: That's interesting. The general explanation in the past, including by the Indian government, is that these border incidents are localized and they are caused by differing perceptions of the LAC, which is what Defence Minister Rajnath Singh also said. But in the past, that has only applied to patrolling up to different perceptions of the LAC. So in your understanding, would it be uh, wrong to look at this as just one more localized incident?
1: Yes, I would disagree with that. For the simple reason that in Quite a few of these places, there have been no such intrusions, or there has been no instance of a difference in uh, perception of the LAC uh, in the past. In fact, Galwan Valley, which is uh, one of the main points uh, of contention or confrontation, uh, has not witnessed an intrusion for, I think, the last 15 to 20 years. So uh, it's not that uh, this difference in uh, perception of the LAC is uh, what has uh, prompted this. As I said, I do get the sense that these have been uh, planned and then uh, launched.
0: The Galwan Valley intrusion seems to be in some ways the most unexpected and also the most troubling of the actions we've seen so far. How, what is your sense of uh, why they are opening a new front in this area? Uh, one theory suggests it's because of uh, India opening the DSDBO road, although that happened a long time ago. Uh, the other theory suggests there may be a greater game going on in Ladakh and connected to India's decision last year on Union territory status, which China had objected to. Do you think both these are plausible explanations?
1: Yes, certainly. Uh, the construction of the road along the Shop, the uh, DBO road, Uh, is uh, certainly would have been one of the factors together with the upgrading of our defense logistics infrastructure. Uh, These are points of uh, concern for the Chinese. But uh, in addition to that is um, uh, what has occurred or what has happened in recent past, which is a growing to an enormous uh, amount or shall I say huge Chinese stakes in the region, particularly with the CPEC, the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor having developed and uh, China having certain interests in that area, financial and strategic. So I think that's one and they're wanting to safeguard those interests. And if I could just add on here by way of clarification, if we look at the time from when Uh, Xi Jinping announced the China-Pakistan economic corridor, which was April 2015. Since then, the Chinese have been consistently telling us whether it's the official level, whether it's the leadership level, whether it's track 1.5, track 2 or think tanks, to uh, resume talks with Pakistan and ease tensions to resolve Kashmir and then look to improved relations with China. They have been explicit. So I think they have been signaling their discomfiture since then. Since the time we uh, published the new maps and after revocation of articles 370 and 35A of our constitution, uh, the Chinese got, I think, uh, uh, more apprehensive. Uh, Of course, the Pakistanis would have egged them on and uh, uh, given them various scenarios, uh, which is how we have seen the Chinese taking the Kashmir issue to the uh, UNSC on four occasions so far. Maybe there will be more. And um, uh, leaving uh, open, in my view, uh, the possibility of a military action also. Mm. And this could be a precursor.
0: Following the decision uh, on Jammu and Kashmir, External Affairs Minister S Shankar did go to Beijing and explain to them. And he appeared to make a valid point that the external boundaries of India and its territorial claims vis-a-vis China in no way has changed by this decision. So from from Beijing's perspective, are there other reasons that would uh, upset them about this change given that to my eyes, it seems that there is no change regarding the India-China boundary situation?
1: Well, that's absolutely correct. And I think uh, Shankar put it across uh, very correctly. But the fact is, that uh, we have always depicted our borders as they are. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the new map essentially changes the uh, domestic uh, borders of the states Mm -hmm. um, of Kashmir, Ladakh, etc. So to that extent, we are correct. But when you combine that with the fact that over the years now, China has acquired tangible strategic and financial stakes Mm -hmm. in Pok Gilgit Baltistan that was not there earlier. Uh, They have, of course, upgraded the uh, KKR highway, etc., which uh, was always there. Mm. But um, with that, they are now more apprehensive of the safety of their projects. And I think uh, to that extent, the surgical strikes that we carried out, the airstrike on Balakot, which was, uh, I think, it was about thirty kilometers away from one of the projects. Are things which would have uh, heightened concern in Beijing, and with their close ties with the Pakistanis, uh, they may have decided that uh, you know we need to safeguard our interests in these areas.
0: Right. So now that talks are being uh, held at various levels, in your opinion, do you think we are in for the long haul? And what kind of solution do you think is likely to come both to this current situation? and more broadly to this pattern of incidents we're seeing on the LAC, do you think there's any scope for China to rethink its stand on LAC clarification or is Beijing happy to leave this uncertainty just so it has a lever to use against India?
1: There are two ways of looking at it, Anand. One is uh, maybe if we also uh, show uh, not only our determination to hold ground, but also uh, maybe to apply pressure in well, some areas on China, it could cause a rethink in Beijing about how the LAC is, and uh, to come to some kind of a understanding with us on what the LAC is, and then uh, consider that uh, uh, an area which uh, you know is acceptable to both sides right. on the ground as well as uh, on the map. Uh, but uh, that is unlikely, to my point of view, uh, unless uh, because China does feel there is very strong. Uh, It has got a larger uh, agenda, a global agenda of where it wants to see and uh, see itself, where it wants to position itself. And according to them, we don't figure in that calculation. The second point is that uh, as far as the talks itself are concerned, um, they are not going to give in easily. I mean, our position is we want uh, status quo ante. So that means everyone goes back to their earlier position, Mm -hmm. which begs the question, Why did the Chinese do this in the first place? Mm. And secondly, uh, given the domestic political situation inside China, can Xi Jinping afford to go back or to disengage or to withdraw? Now, once again, uh, having done that earlier in Doklam and not find uh, the people sort of critical of his action.
0: And before we move into the internal situation in, in China, Uh, The SR talks, of course, are still ongoing. We've had the 22nd round of talks and this year we will have the next round. As best as uh, your perception is, are these talks serving any purpose besides talking for the sake of talking? Do you think how far can they realistically go in terms of making any headway on the larger boundary dispute?
1: Um, I think let me answer that in two uh, short points. The first, is that um, it's good that the talks are going on uh, for the simple reason that, uh, you know, it keeps temperatures, I would suggest below the boiling point, hopefully, and the fact that we have some point of contact on the other side and they have someone here, Mm -hmm. I think that used to be a problem too. So uh, at least that is one uh, plus out of these SR level talks. Having said that, I don't really see uh, much progress. Unless there is a willingness in Beijing to uh, settle the boundary issue. And I don't see that willingness right now, uh, either from a study of their uh, media or uh, from their actions. As I said, they have a larger global agenda and uh, they are intent on getting that, securing that, rather than allowing us to become free and move out of the South Asia box, which is where they want to keep us.
0: Coming to the internal situation in China, you did preface this discussion by saying it is a very black box. Uh, We know recently that China has held the National People's Congress. What is your perception of Xi Jinping's current position? We know that there were questions being asked of him in the initial stages of the pandemic, which you have also written about. Does the holding of the NPC suggest he has managed to assert himself in some way? and also with the Hong Kong national security legislation that they've passed. What's your sense of how things are on the internal front for Xi Jinping?
1: Well, it's difficult, but um, my sense is that there are two factors that are really bothering Xi Jinping right now and which are uh, causing um, uh, concern. Uh, The first is the economic situation. And I think the US-China trade war, the way it's developing, is aggravating that. So uh, unless he's able to tackle that, uh, domestic criticism will continue. As you are aware, the um, unemployment situation is pretty bad. It's risen from around 20 million to 70 million. Uh, so uh, that's one uh, important factor that he has. Second, is the uh, are the sources of discontent or voiced discontent, if I may call it, the intellectuals, the academics and the students, I don't think they are reconciled to the situation. Neither are those Chinese Communist Party cadres, serving or retired mm. who don't want a return to one man rule. They are also unhappy and they remain unhappy. So these factors remain there and they are probably waiting for an opportunity to uh, again uh, come up and um, uh, voice their criticism. Uh, but the other factor is the, the US-China trade factor and I think Chinese think tanks have highlighted two things. One is the exponential rise in anti-China sentiment around the world, which uh, particularly the Chinese Institutes of Contemporary International Relations, which is the think tank of the Ministry of State Security in China. They have warned that uh, foreign powers could fan that sentiment, uh, even leading up to a state of conflict. Uh, But they have uh, sounded, uh, you know, the very, very uh, highly cautious and worried note. The second is the PLA Daily. On the 5th of May, that carried a long essay, which itself is unusual, uh, warning of a bleak economic situation and uh, saying that the socio-economic factors inside China have reached a high explosive point. And I'm quoting that phrase and that foreign powers will fan that in order to create social upheaval. So Xi Jinping does have serious concerns. And I think that was reflected during the NPC, particularly in the government work report presented by Li Kachang. It was a very temperate report or tempered report, if you want to call it. There was none of the hype of the previous reports. There were, of course, 13 references to Xi Jinping genuflecting as was expected, but uh, his for example his flagship project of Benton Road Initiative as they call it now mm. um, received a very bland and almost cursory mention saying it is making progress. None of the uh, uh, previous kind of uh, hype as to how many countries had joined etc. Plus uh, Kha Chang also uh, made no bones about uh, pointing to the tough economic situation that lies ahead. I think uh, if I may say, Xi Jinping has uh, managed to get through uh, the NBC mm. also because of the COVID situation, which has uh, you know, restricted uh, foreign journalists from attending, uh, limited the number of Chinese journalists who are attending. Mm. But uh, it doesn't really uh, solve the issue. So a lot depends on the level of discontent within the Chinese Communist Party particularly its middle and higher echelons. And I don't know how much of that has really been sorted out. I only look at the fact that he has created a new central small group under uh, Kuo-Shang-Kun, his Secretary General, the Political and Legal Affairs Commission, his right-hand man in a way, uh, to look at uh, the political stability and political situation uh, in China. So I think these indicate that Xi Jinping himself is, uh, knows that there are problems ahead and that his own position is not 100% secure.
0: How do you think these internal challenges for Xi will likely influence some of their external postures? Do you think there's a connection to what we're seeing in terms of how they've been uh, dealing with Hong Kong and Taiwan, uh, in terms of some military posturing they've been doing And of course, with India as well, Uh, is it the case that Xi Jinping is incentivized to take hard lines on these issues and what kind of impact is that likely to have?
1: I have no doubt that uh, uh, this, if I may call it tougher line, he has already been taking a hard line, but a tougher line uh, has come about because of the perception domestically that the leadership has, uh, the, you know, that the two centenary goals, as they called it, the China dream and catching up, if not surpassing the US by 2049, uh, is slipping out of the grasp of the leadership. And the uh, continuing protests in Hong Kong for almost a year now, or slightly over a year, uh, was one factor. Uh, the manner in which Taiwan was uh, making its uh, critical comments about China was the second factor. So I think this perception in uh, the among the Chinese people that the leadership was no longer that uh, effective. It didn't have a firm grip on the situation is one of the real key factors. Why Xi Jinping is uh, opted for a much tougher line that and as I said, the uh, US China factor was another. So I expected and it has happened. Hong Kong is he has taken a tough line. Taiwan too, he's applying pressure in the South China Sea. He has started sending PLA Navy warships there. And I think what we are seeing on on the borders with India is similar. So that does bring us to the question that if he's adopting this tougher line, as I said earlier, can he afford to pull back and face criticism from within China in case he's doing this to shore his credibility?
0: That is interesting. And lastly, Mr. Ranade, how do you think... In this new context, she is likely to take relations with India forward. Do you think the immediate future is going to be more of the same in terms of dealing with this tough approach from China on on territorial issues and perhaps, of course, reinforcing relations with Pakistan as well? Is that going to be a reality for India to deal with in the near future?
1: Yes, I think so. I don't see China uh, uh, changing its policy on uh, uh, issues of national sovereignty and territorial integrity. For them, for the Chinese, it trumps everything else and they have said so quite explicitly. So uh, I think that will remain and um, uh, until and unless the power balance shifts, uh, it's not going to or even improves, it's not going to change. Uh, The China-Pakistan relationship is something that uh, has been there for a long time. Um, I think the Chinese will continue uh, uh, that relationship. Uh, it's something they've made a lot of investment in, and they are gradually, if I may say, um, uh, uh, virtually taking over uh, Pakistan. I remember having been told once by a, uh, a very well informed uh, Chinese analyst who often briefs the Politburo, and I asked him about the China Pakistan economic corridor, and his comment was, he said, you know, till now we had bought over the Pakistanis, now we are going to buy out Pakistan.
0: On that note, Mr. Narade, thank you so much for joining us and for speaking to the Hindu in Focus podcast.